Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where for the next 20 minutes or so, we'll give you our thoughts on matters of the moment from in and around the hotel and operational real estate uh, space. My name is Chris Banner. I'm the editor of Hotel Analyst, and I'm joined, as usual, on the call by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. I'm going to start by taking a look at what's going on in the service department sector, where we've recently seen a flurry of announcements. Um, and uh, well, perhaps the cynics might say if everyone's jumping on the bandwagon, it might be time to dig it off. But uh, let's just run through what's been going on recently. Um, we have had several groups announcing uh, that they are going to be launching new brands into this extended stay space. Uh, a little month, month or two ago, we had uh, Wyndham formally announcing their Echo brand. Uh, the fact they've probably got, I think, about 200 sites already signed up in uh, around the States. More recently, Hyatt has announced Hyatt Suites is going to be launched and then on uh, the recent uh, quarterly conference calls results calls from uh, Hilton and then from Marriott we heard CEOs Chris Nassetta and then Tony Capuano um, just letting slip that they too will be launching more budget oriented uh, extended stay brands to add to their existing portfolios Uh, all this is sort of probably very much US oriented uh, but coming over the hill from Asia we also have the Ascot uh, Limited, which are part of uh, the Singaporean group Capital Land, they have uh, set themselves a further aggressive growth target to double their fee revenues. They've already uh, hit their previously set target for growth in uh, by the end of 2023, uh, and they are uh, looking to grow aggressively globally. Uh, they've got a portfolio of extended stay brands and can claim leadership in the space because they've been at it for a very long time and they see certainly plenty of runway for substantial growth uh, in this sector. Last year they uh, uh, acquired uh, Oakwood which was um, a, a way of getting broadening their, their geographical spread of their, their uh, service department empire and uh, they have said they are interested in further M&A activity to accelerate their growth. So um, uh, exciting times as, as certainly this this is a genre that's become a mainstream accommodation sector. Yeah, it does seem that um, hotel alternatives are everywhere right now and service departments in particular. I mean, we're talking about them in this story this week, but I mean, both are other things we're going to be talking about. They, they come into the mix. So um, for Hyatt and for Choice, um, who we will touch on um, in our other two um, uh, stories where we're looking at it's certainly as you suggest chris um very fashionable right <laughs> now yes. um one thing i was uh, that got my curiosity was um why it is that it's the asian companies that seem to have been so um dynamic in this area and and, and so advanced in terms of developing concepts and so forth um and i was chatting to a few people earlier this week and uh, certainly part of the reason i think is that asian cities are typically much denser than european or north american cities um that's not to say you know places like new york and paris and uh, london aren't uh, don't have high cost of land and that they're not dense but the, the density is is that much more in places like singapore mm. um and this has forced innovation and it's forced flexibility um you know on the part of um owners and investors um 
and i think another reason is the way that um, asian capital is more concentrated so you've got these giant conglomerates playing across various um, industry verticals and they've been prepared to be much more fluid than we have seen in europe and in and in north america um, and you can certainly see the the benefits of this concentration in in terms of how capital lands the parent group of the ascot has gone about things and how um, they have been on the front foot in terms of evolving different asset classes and they talk about the living sector and this ranges across you know one end you've got the residential apartments with the longest stay to service residences to hotels homestay platforms and of course you've got the niche segments of student housing and aged care as they call it or aged care i'm not sure how you <laughs> say it. one of those two um <laughs> ascot's got one one's a, one's a bottle of wine or, or spirits <laughs> aged and then the, other, the other is an old person yeah. yes yeah, it's all right it's, it's aged care yeah. um anyway so whichever um whatever um ascot has evolved uh, significant offers in in all of them and leaving aside the uh, student housing and the let's call it elder care mm -hmm. um um which have these particular niche demographics um what the kind of linkage bit between at the one end of the spectrum of of residential apartments and at the other end of the spectrum hotels with their just over one night average stays the sort of link bit is these serviced apartments and they have the huge advantage of being able to play in the longer stay piece um but also being able to play in the short stay piece and they have the advantage of being relatively uh, low um, intensity in terms of the, the, the labour requirements um, in terms of the s level of service provision relative to hotels more than obviously the if, if you're doing a build to sell um, offer but increasingly what Ascot's looking at is the the build to rent market and 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 more co-living type product um, and and they have the advantage of this lower cost of labor to service the the piece but at the same time they're able to exploit the the uh, demand dynamics of the short stay as well though it's a bit of a, a juggle balancing all this off because obviously the more short stay you have the more labor requirement you have but you know we can see um, that that has been done as an increasingly being done very successfully now if we look across Europe in particular I think has been a laggard here we've got some great homegrown smaller brands I mean Eden is probably a prime example you can look at things like Zoku um nascent brands like live in um coming coming through but uh and and in the u.s what we've tended to see is it's been boxed off more as a sort of you know this is the extended stay market this is but what capital land have been i think quite smart at is looking at this as sort of a um a spectrum um you know as something which sort of blends in um between that and they've not been so rigid in in terms of the boundaries they're putting in here so um it's going to be interesting to see how 
this evolves as an offer now my suspicion is that what we're going to see is these asian companies um, make headway faster in europe um, in that they are prepared to back their operating companies with capital from the property arms mm. that is not the case um, with um, the american branded you know extended stay brands um, some of the european homegrown ones like eden they've got brookfield behind them uh, zoku too is a vertically integrated play but that to an extent is also restricting the speed at which they can roll out the sheer scale of the asian brands and their capital they have behind them suggests to me that they could well be um, in the forefront of the evolution of of this segment um and well and it's more than a segment it's taking that middle ground which they, they're doing very well with i think i think m m if i were to place a bet it would be that these asian groups are are going to come out the winners and of course we could also speculate on who they might acquire well indeed i mean yeah um, maybe they will pick up some of these homegrown um, um european because it, it, it isn't going to be the asset light um, extended stay brands from north america that's going to pick up the likes of eden not at least not very easily because mm. they've got to do an opco propco split and zoku too and I, I think the people behind zoku um they're very clear that you know it's the integrated model that makes it work so uh yeah so again uh, a, a way through to here maybe pick up some um um some great brands i mean ascot we talk about life the life brand there that they're they're evolving i think that's a very clever smart brand um and it looks you know there are parallels with live in for example with that so you know we'll see how that goes and maybe they will look to speed up a bit of bit of growth by um some judicious um acquisitions and you've just mentioned oakwood so they're certainly prepared to get their checkbooks out yeah and talking of acquisition we're going to turn out to speak about um, hyatt uh the big uh, american-based uh, branding group that is certainly on continues to be uh, on the move and on the front foot um they've uh, as we mentioned they've just announced a new extended stay brand but uh, more interesting than that and more recent than that they've uh, announced they're acquiring the uh the brand mr and mrs smith which gives them access to a uh, whole portfolio of uh, boutique luxury hotels as well as a membership base um, of uh, regular stairs in those hotels the latest addition um, to, to the higher empire where they're still already kind of uh, well they've been quite good at integrating uh, the apple leisure group the big resort player which they acquired uh, continuing to deliver ahead of uh, all the uh, expectations they had when they acquired it and so uh, another very strong set of uh, quarterly results from Hyatt with uh, lots of very positive numbers and this seems to be probably of all the the big hotel groups the one with uh, the most forward momentum at the moment yeah no, absolutely and we've been talking about the, the nug the net unit growth uh, numbers for hire and how eye-popping they've been and also they've been growing in the upscale upper upscale and luxury piece in particular where the contracts the value of those contracts are quite substantial so um you know when Accor comes in and starts criticizing people saying oh look yeah, they might have a big nug but look at the quality of it well actually the quality of uh, a lot of the nug within Hyatt is pretty darn good actually um the thing I looked at um with this and that caught my eye was the whole consortia thing and what's been going on now consortia for a long while I've just thought oh this is a sort of a, a dead bit of the sector with you know the 
these are you know they're going to die out mm-hmm. the, the relevance of what a hotel consortium consortium is 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 you know in the age of the internet what's the point you could kind of see it you know when uh, pre-internet when you used to produce the the booklets and things as a great sort of marketing tool and you could sit at home and flick through the booklet and say oh I fancy going there and it, it, it did it was quite oh, a good demand generator happy, from happy analog days yes indeed <laughs> um from that from from that point of view and you thought well in the age of the internet you, you know that that relevance has gone they can you know it's not just that consortiums um a specific consortiums properties you can peruse but you can you've got the whole world to look mm. at you know from your sofa um uh, but interestingly they they have been um innovating and reinventing themselves and of course this acquisition of Mr. and Mrs. Smith by Hyatt, I think, is quite significant, and it got me thinking and looking at what else has been going on. So, something which I have to confess I completely ignored, and I'm not even sure we reported on it, was this deal that Hyatt did with uh, small luxury hotels, where they they linked up um, in terms of you could book um, um, at some of the small luxury hotels uh, through the Hyatt. Um, uh app you know and through the higher term reward scheme so there's about 520 slh properties and higher is working with about about something like 150 i mean obviously this this is um comes in and out quite a lot more rapidly perhaps than another bits of you know franchises and so forth um but but what what this means is that you, you know if you if within the Hyatt reward scheme you can spend your points at SLH you can also gain points by booking these 150 or so um, SLH properties from within the Hyatt app um, and this was seen as a good way I mean if you look at something like you know those websites like the Point Sky and these other things um, they say well look they were recommending their readers to go on and um, use this to, to maintain their, their various levels within the Hyatt loyalty scheme and clearly i think this was kind of what ihg was planning on doing um with mr and mrs smith through its tie-up although it didn't really consummate that particularly well and what's gone and happened here is that uh, hyatt swooped on mr and mrs smith um and really it just put a question mark on what what ihg is going to be doing with it in terms of that relationship and it cost 53 million quid which is uh you know it's a it's a bunch of money to you or i chris but i think for for the likes of Hyatt, not so much but i think in terms of you know it's a further entree into european luxury in particular um and it adds to um it's kind of like a gateway drug um into independent hotels for independent hotels and and before they come and become a proper sort of franchisee via joining you know the independent one of the independent collection brands and within this grouping of independent collection hyatt has unbound collection by hyatt it has destination by hyatt and it has jdv by hyatt and i i guess the idea is that what you've got here is a, is a way slh you know I, I don't know how many they managed to drag into one of these brands from slh but i'm guessing that um uh mr and mrs smith is 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 
seen as a, a potential for that it's a kind of a happy hunting ground for them in that um, and marriott is the other global major which has been very active here it inherited uh design hotels from um uh, starwood as part of the starwood acquisition now starwood hadn't really got going with it very much but uh, gradually marriott is now um, linking that to its bonvoy program so within design hotels there's about 300 or so properties in the design hotels consortium and about 120 of them participate in marriott bonvoy not everything you don't get everything you would get um, if you booked a marriott hotel but you do get points and you do you know as the point sky website would point out you get the chance to to maintain your uh, um, uh, status level by adding to points by booking um, um, a design hotel via the bonvoy app so you've got all of these things and it gets you to buy in and of course this is also what's going on with um um homes and villas by marriott and uh well it's actually now homes and villa villas by marriott bonvoy which is mouthful I <laughs> yeah. yeah i didn't actually catch when they made that switch actually but it used to be homes and villas by marriott it's now very clearly homes and villa homes and villas by marriott bonvoy so it's very much an extension of this loyalty uh play i think which is quite interesting and of course um what is worth uh, noting here is how uh, at, um, Hyatt was at one point involved in a similar sort of thing with One Fine Stay. They had partnered with One Fine Stay um, and then Accor swooped on One Fine Stay and took it out and um, Hyatt stopped his association with One Fine Stay. Now Hyatt seems to have done the same sort of thing that Accor did to it. Um, it's gone and done it to IHG through Mr and Mrs Smith. Now I'm not saying One Fine Stay is the same as Mr and Mrs Smith but there's the, the, the similar motivations as to why um, the global hotel majors want um, these consortia and these homes and villa type operations um, and it's this extension of, of, of the loyalty scheme and the, the broadening and deepening the offer to the loyalty scheme members so uh, it, it is fascinating and for me um, you know the big story is that this this what looked like a dead and dying bit of the industry consortia as all of a sudden is is looking very sexy and uh, Hyatt described um, uh, Mr and Mrs Smith as a travel platform and I think these travel platforms we're going to see more deals um, ahead for mm. them. Now our final kind of arrivals into the Q1 results queue were um, Intercontinental Apple and Choice and uh, the big news from Intercontinental is it's all change at the top. We've just recently had uh, a, a new finance director and uh, we've now got CEO Keith Barr announcing he's bowing out after just under six years at the helm. Uh, he's going to be replaced by uh, a, another of the members of the Americas uh, top team, uh, Eli Malouf who's going to be taking over as CEO. Uh, but uh, that was that was the big big excitement at IHG as they continue to move forward with their um, their recent partnership deal um, with Ibera Star Resorts. Um, Barr said they'd love to do another one of those. He also said they won't be uh, following their peers and putting another extended spray strand into the market. Uh, and we con compare and contrast those results with uh, Choice Hotels where um, the team seems to be just, well, 
uh, ever more efficient and deadly in executing a whole range of of little uh, steps. I mean, I I liken them to the um, the Japanese philosophy of kaizen. You know, lots of little tiny improvements every day, and the whole thing just seems to be getting ever more slick and ever smarter. They're ahead of schedule in integrating the Radisson Americas acquisition they made, and uh, it looks like a very very tight ship that just keeps on delivering for its shareholders. You did point out, though, um, that a number of their brands have seen significant reductions in the last 12 yeah. months. You know, the Clarion, Roadway, um, Econo. Yeah, it was, a, was a surprise that none of the uh, analysts picked up on that because, yes, the Radisson acquisition kind of added added the numbers and made the, uh, the net growth look rather good. But actually, behind the scenes, they did lose uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's pretty pretty substantial actually. Um, I mean obviously they had that uh, big hit with the Woodspring uh, mm. Suites uh, deal, um, and they lost um, what nearly a third of the, mm. the rooms through that deal. So that was a big hit. But the others were sort of you know Clarion down eight point two percent. That's not mm. nothing actually. Um, and yeah, as you say, Chris, thanks to the Radisson um, acquisition, um, Nug was looking good. I mean, it's better than Hyatt's mm. even. Um, domestic franchises up 8.2%, and international um, up an even more impressive 9.6%. Now, part of this was um, um, a, a re- classification thing so the caribbean is no longer right. domestic mm -hmm. us um <laughs> in 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 choice world um so that became international which helped boost that um, and also obviously you had all of the other bits of radisson in the americas so um outside of the us which has um added to that number i don't think we've seen a huge surge in europe for example um and, it, and it's still very much a u.s company sort of four hundred and fifty-six thousand um u.s rooms against one hundred and twenty-one thousand uh, in the rest of the world so it's still you know very heavily weighted towards the the U u.s but nonetheless you know good numbers it's just to, you know what are they going to be doing this time next year mm. is going to be the tricky one i think um one to watch but the big story i think here is the departure of um keith Barr, mm -hmm. um and um his replacement by ellie maloof um and i think uh, it, what's intriguing and as you point out in your story chris we've now got uh uh a leadership team which are entirely mm. american so the cfo paul edgecliff johnson a brit stood down um earlier this year to be replaced by another uh, american um michael glover who's actually moved across to to the uk and indeed um um we're going to see ellie maloof um move across from the us um to to the uk um there are rumors swirling that uh, the uh, ihghq is going to move um out of denham but only up the road back to where it was from actually near near windsor um We'll wait and see how that happens. But the, the big question is, why is IHG still based in the UK um, and still listed on the London stock market, given that it is essentially an American company? So if you look at 2022 operating profit numbers, more than 80% of the operating profit comes from the Americas. This is 
slightly flattered because um, Greater China was such a bad performer uh, last year. But even allowing for that, it's still by far the majority of operating profit comes out of the Americas. Um, it looks and feels like an American company run by Americans. Mm. Yet it's based in the UK and listed on the London stock market. Now the problem with that is it's all it's fine, but IHG is the only company in the FTSE 100 uh, classified as a lodging company. Now obviously there's Whitbread, which is overwhelmingly a hotel company too, but uh, a legacy thing. It's classified as a mm. restaurant company, um, but really it's a very different sort of operation to IHG, which is this pure play uh, fee income company. And you know its peer group are very much US. Um, so it's the Hiltons, it's the Marriotts, it's the Choices, and it's the Wyndhams, um, all listed in the US. Either Nasdaq in the case of Marriott, for example, um, which interestingly switched from the New York Exchange, or Hilton. Um, which is still on the New York Exchange, um, so and you know most of them are actually on the on the on the New York Exchange, but 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 essentially all US listed and US based. Um, so you know within the UK there isn't this depth and range of uh, 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 interest in hospitality companies, and in Europe um, that's true as well i mean within the FTSE 100 apart from whitbread you've got a contract catering company compass and you've got an airline um iag which owns british airways but actually is now officially spanish <laughs> due to the eu restrictions on airline ownership so it's the bulk of its air, um, ownership has to be spanish and it has to be seen to be based in spain um for the, the eu um to comply with the eu rules um um, so it, you know, apart from that we just don't have it um, on the London exchange we just don't have you know we have miners we have life science companies we have financials but not so much in the in the hospitality sector um, and this has been historically a bit of a blocker for IHG so it was in pole position to buy Starwood um, and as the documents that were released um, um, on on what happened in terms of that takeover show um she came very close to securing the deal and pulled back at the last minute and probably the, uh, the the most likely reason is that starwood's u.s shareholders did not want london listed paper um and IHG was going to struggle to actually get the financing through. There are ways around that. They could have had a dual listed share structure and all of this kind of stuff, but it made it more complicated and probably was a contributor to why it lost out on that. And that was a major mm. miss, I think, for uh, for IHG and, and its evolution and allowed Marriott to move ahead as the clear world number one. And IHG at that time, in terms of room numbers, was the world's number one. So I think it was a major miss for IHG and has held it back. So um, the other thing, you know, you can't underplay the, the personal motivations here. And the simple fact is that U.S. executives earn a darn sight more than British executives. I mean, we've had the head of um, the listed company that owns the London Stock Exchange, Julia Hoggart. Um, she was saying earlier this month that, um, you know, UK corporate executives are not being paid enough money and they certainly don't match the re remuneration on offer to um, to executives at US companies it's not so much the the base pay but it's all of the bonuses and you know it leads to um, you know um, c-suite 
people you know having sort of double triple and beyond what a uk c-suite person would get so that personal motivation is clearly mm. there well why you know i could be paid so much more if i switch the listing back to the us but in addition you know you can say well actually i need to be much nearer to where we're making our money which is the us and and also like keith barr he said one of these reasons he's stepped down is that he wants to go back home which is the US. Um, both Ellie and Michael Glover, the, the CEO and CFO respectively. Well, they're going to have that tension. Um, yeah. Um, are American. Yeah. And, and, you know, that probably want to go home at some point too. So, um, you know, I'm. there are a lot of things here which you, if you can do the list of why they, you know, why it makes sense to move ihg's headquarters and move its listing um and very you know apart from inertia the the list of why you'd stay in the uk i think is is significantly shorter so we'll see um but uh, um at you know when there is an opportunity i suspect we will see it depart okay now let's move to our five star nurse awards of this week and uh, five stars andrew i think is going to uh, more good news on the travel front well it is absolutely and i think we are seeing an incredibly good recovery um i believe we have been on the bullish end of the spectrum but even you know our bullishness has been ex you know exceeded by the rate of this recovery so um in terms of hard numbers we've got uh, um the un world tourism organization talking about this this recovery saying that the middle east now um in q1 actually saw um arrivals exceeding 2019 levels 15 percent higher than 2019 phenomenal europe reached 90 percent of pre-pandemic levels africa 88 percent america's about 85 percent of 2019 levels asia and the pacific still a bit behind for 54 percent but there's a great expectation that that is going to recover very rapidly um and you know quite rightly i think the un wto is saying look we we're in a in a great place um and uh, it, it's looking very good indeed for our for our sector um in addition to that we have got the airline recovery underway now i think one of the big blockers particularly in terms of that intercontinental piece but to an extent the domestic air travel piece as well um they've just been shockers at you know getting back at it the airlines um very slow um and extraordinarily expensive as well now I mean, you know, you're talking about airfares double what they were, um, and there's been a huge rebound in that. And actually, the, the what the airlines are talking about is uh, um, leisure travellers are much more prepared to go business class and even first class. They they are spending the money on experiences now, um, and they're spending it in those sort of very expensive tickets on airlines. So it's been an incredibly good recovery. And, and you know what we've seen, IHG, IAG, um, a whole bunch of other airlines are saying we're we're heading for a period of bumper profits now, thanks to this. Um, so this is good news. Let's see that reinvested in in. Um, uh, more capacity i think we've had the very good news from ryanair's you know from a european context to get that intra europe travel you're really coming back um the huge order for boeing um airplanes so i think it's fantastic news from that point of view in terms of and it just keeps coming um the the great news we're getting and i believe no stars this week is going to one of the fluffier members of the c-suite 
Well, yeah, it's just sort of the <laughs> don't do it. What, why? Yeah. Why did you? Um, please, um, Eddie. But uh, this is this is poetry, poetry from the C-suite, um, and it really. I mean, now we were digging around, um, looking at in here for our service department story, having a dig around Capital Land and all the various bits and bobs um, that were going on there, and um, it, it, it well there's a poem which was penned by um uh capital land group ceo lee chi kun um for his 2023 new year message um and i'll just read it out and the <laughs> listeners can judge for themselves but um 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 well let them judge for themselves the poem goes our journey's just started we're laying the ground to strengthen our team lift skills all around we're making bold moves to invest and to grow a global diverse and winning portfolio ouch and on that delightful note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>